Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I am here with Lenny Melnick. How are you doing? How am I doing? Same way I'm doing every day. I'm at the top of my game. Oh, I'll baby. tell you what, the top of my game. I sit home 12 hours a day, and all I do is read about baseball. So why don't you tell everyone if they can find you on Twitter? It's at Lenny Melnick. I know that. That's right. At Lenny Melnick on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I am called a Facebook whore, if you right? <laughs> just to coin a phrase. I've never called anyone that before, yeah, so I won't, I, 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 won't, I won't call you that, but you can yeah, call it. It's okay. Can... I take it as a compliment because I'm on Facebook talking to people. I love answering questions, fantasy baseball questions, under the heading of, I'm happy to support you, you support me, and together we're going to hold hands and just have some fun. And that's what I do. Well, I have some fantasy baseball questions for you, but before we get started, I just want to introduce um, some of your, um, some, if, if in case anyone does not know who you are, which I don't think is the case, but you're a three-time labor um, champion, Tout Wars winner, and you co-host the, the Lady and the Legend series on Sirius Radio. You got it. And by the way, you know what I'm proud of on the labor? I wanted uh, 18 years apart. <laughs> so. you're sort of you're sort of like the randy johnson of the labor draft but you know yeah, how you, you think the, so right well you know you know you know you know what you know what i'm referring to What's he, that? He, he i think he threw two no hitters um yeah. one when he was like really young and one when, when he was 40 so i think he threw two no hitters like yeah. uh 16 years apart yeah well i was 18 years apart and uh believe me when i tell you i think i got a good chance this year i love my team which is normally the kiss of death <laughs> that's awesome um, so uh, you, uh, there's a lot of heavy hitters in that league, that labor draft, right? Oh, sure. Some of the guys have been around. Uh, I've been competing against Glenn Colton and uh, Rick Wolf now for uh, uh, I can't, 25 years, and they always drafted a Yankee. They used to kill me with Mike Mussina every single year. It drove me crazy. And, yeah, a lot. Greg is in it. Greg Ambrosius is in it. It's just I don't want to leave anybody out, so I'll stop there. But the competition is terrific, but more important even than the competition, the camaraderie is at the top of the game. I consider some of these people my extended family. Is there any buy-in for that league? I don't think there is. is... No, there's no buy-in, but, you know, it's just the kind of league that um, you have to have credentials to get in. Right. And how, do I, how do I get in? You're, you're, you're trying to help. You're, you said, how do you, how do you advance in the industry? You're gonna. Have, I, I want to get. I want to have you on my show because not only because are you a great mind, but you are also someone that I can I can turn to for advice, or someone that's not really some not really someone that talks on the radio at all or talks on a podcast. I'm I have a day job. I'm an accountant, so I'm yeah. I'm, I'm leaning to you. Like, how did? What are what are some tips for me in terms of just doing a podcast? You do one every day. Do okay. You have, do you have anything that you've already noticed about me that I should start that I should start or stop doing? Well, I, yeah, quite a bit, but here's the <laughs> thing. If you want to get into a talent wars or a labor, you've got to make yourself visible. What you have to do is you have to go to the event. I mean, we know you, okay, Zach, Roto, whatever, uh, terrific. You do a good job. Your podcast is good, but you have to get people to know you. And how do you do that? You go to the events. When it's live talent wars, you go. When it's live labor, you go. When they have a, uh, a convention, you go. When the, you just go to everything because your biggest asset, in spite of the fact that you may be a good writer, a good podcast or whatever, could be yourself. You walk up, introduce yourself, and once people get to know you, it's a whole different ballgame. That's how you do it. 
that's the way to get into the to the uh, advanced leagues. Right on. So in terms of the actual podcast, I'm learning and I'm getting better. I'm getting get better at talking. And I love, I've listened to your podcast. I love, I love, your podcast is very informative in terms of the news and it's uh, you've got a good personality. And I like to let's start like, even at the start of your podcast, you're like, you're yelling at your wife to, or I don't know if that's your wife to shut up. Yeah, Andrew, and then, shut and up. then you, you got like, the, I don't know, you got like a transistor radio or an AM <laughs> radio in the background. You're trying to shut off, but like, <laughs> you're like, you're near, but like, it's funny because it's all um, it's, it's all very real. It's a, uh, but it takes you maybe a couple seconds to, to settle in. Um, um, but yeah, like, I think it's a good, it's a good podcast. And I think it's important that podcasts are, are recognized. And um, something that happened recently was a podcast bracket. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I have a lot. I don't know if you want to hear them, but I'll I kind of, I kind of do because um, I, I'll tell you, you know, as far as the podcast goes, here's the deal with so many podcasts. Uh, and even if you're a writer or a podcaster, You've got to be a little different. Now, if you take a look at uh, 99% of the podcasts will start off with a song, with some kind of music. There's, uh, you know, some, there have been a couple of podcasts I turned off before the music stopped. I used to do <laughs> center field, uh, Dan Fogarty. That right. was my, and then I realized, what am I doing? Nobody's tuning in to this. What do I, I have to pretend I'm a real radio guy. So I walk, I come in. My trademark at 9 a.m. is welcome aboard. And here's the frustrating part, and, and then we'll get on to, to something more important. I prepare for my podcast like I'm a nutcase. I get up at 5 in the morning. I prepare for three hours for a one-hour podcast. I have a routine that I've been doing for a long, long time. Basically is I read every out-of-town newspaper, and I take notes. So I find little tidbits. Now, if I'm taking it out of the Cincinnati Inquirer, if you live in Cincinnati, oh, I read that this morning, you know, no big, but all the other states didn't read it, okay? Uh, little tips. So it takes me a while. I put a lot of effort. It's not work. If it was work, I'm stupid for doing it. It's the most relaxing time of day. But I did a podcast a couple of months ago where the landscapers showed up earlier than expected. I sit by my front door in my office and all you could hear was the blowers going and I couldn't get them to stop. So I didn't stop the podcast. I opened the front door and started screaming at them. Okay. <laughs> and they didn't That's even great. hear me. It was so loud. That's great. End result to get to the bottom line. People have said, That's the be best podcast I ever did. They couldn't stop laughing. Now, with all the work I put in, that's the best podcast I've done. I mean, and, and, and even when the phone rings, I don't know if you've ever heard my, my podcast phone rings. I answer it. I don't think I've heard you um, answer the phone, but I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts. Yeah. I answer. yeah. You got to be different. You got to be different. You got to be, uh, look, you got to do your homework and you just got to be yourself. And people find, I find that people enjoy even when the phone rings, they never know how I'm going to deal with it or know who it is. Uh, so you got to put a little entertainment into it. Right. So, yeah, no, I think, I, I think you, it's, it's sort of like the, you, you get, you get into some of the details of the news that you don't, you won't find on other podcasts and you can yes. tell that you, you can tell that you do your homework. Like I've, 
I've listened to you and, and we'll get into some of the stuff that I want to talk about on my podcast because I want to bring some of that information here because I, I, I also do the same thing. For example, the Cincinnati Enquirer can't get onto there. You need a, you need a subscription. Um, but that's one, that's one of the ones I can't log on to. But a lot of the other um, newspapers I'll look at, I'll look at the, the San Francisco Chronicle. Chronicle, Atlanta it's, Constitution. It's a, it's a great here's one. The, here's the secret, okay? I have a secret on how to get onto these newspapers without subscribing. I, I, have I, think three, I, I have three computers, right? And right. believe it or not, there are some computers I can get on. Cincinnati Inquirer, you said it's an example. Philadelphia Inquirer, that's a tough one too. Uh, there's a couple of them that are tough. The uh, San, uh, the uh, Mercury News, that can be tough. But then I go to a different computer and a different browser, bingo, mm -hmm. I get on there. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a tip that I, that I used. I go on for like I'm in Canada, so I don't know which ones I'm I'd, I'd be able to get into get onto in the states. But if like say the San Francisco San Francisco Chronicle, I'll go on and then I'll it will flash the article for like five seconds and then it will tell you you need a subscription, so it puts up this block. So what I do is I I go back to Google and then I Google the same thing and then and then I know and then I go back yeah. to the page and I know what I need to do, so I'll, I'll quickly highlight the whole page with my cursor. That's what I do. I highlight it. I highlight it. I, pr <laughs> I, pr I, pr I press copy and then I, pr and I copied into a word document really quickly before it tells yeah. me I can go out. Then I just read, then I just yep. read the word document and there, there you go. Presto. Well, here we are talking about how to rip off the newspaper. So that's <laughs> yeah. not right because, because I've been listening before the internet. Now this is how we got started. And I just listened this morning, WGBB here on Long Island played this morning i did the first radio show dedicated to fantasy and rotisserie sports in 1993 and they replayed it today now how did we get our information before the internet my partner erwin and i used to go to manhattan go to the out-of-town newspaper stands hand the guy 20 bucks take every newspaper we can get our hands on and then we throw what appeared to be throwing him in the garbage you didn't see us take out the sports section, all right? We'd go home and read the out-of-town newspapers every single day. And I'll tell you something, the, the tidbits we got, just incredible. And that's how we got started. That's awesome. So did you want did you want to talk about the podcast bracket at all, or did you want to skip over that and talk about some of like the... Yeah, no, the podcast bracket to me, uh, it was, it, look, it's a good idea. And I spoke to the fellow, I forget his name. Chris. But when you... Look, there's no question that the torch is being passed. You have all the terrific podcasters. You have people getting started in the industry. And I'm not saying I'm the best or even in the top thousand. But when you take, there are, are some, I, I won't mention them, uh, that were seated 16th, 13th uh, of the veteran podcasters. And I think that's insulting. Okay. My podcast, I've been doing it for 15 years, every single day. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying it's the best at all, but it's an insult to be ranked 13th. And then here's the bottom line. And I'm going to say this out loud. The fellow that I was competing against, very nice guy, very nice podcast. He has 1,000 Twitter followers. I have almost 10,000. And he beat me by... He beat me by 75%. That's all I'm going to say. The math doesn't add up. Is that what you're saying? All I'm going to say. And then a couple of guys were accused of buying bots. 
Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying. Uh, I, I, I think I think it's obvious in that bracket, I, and I was a part of it too, that there was instances where the the vote wasn't legitimate, and that's obvious to a lot of people. But I don't. But it's not obvious whether or not like you were the, the the person that won based on I guess non non legitimacy was behind it. It could have been someone that wasn't like it doesn't necessarily. It's not necessarily. Like yeah, it's not necessarily. I know that I'm not liked by everybody. I know that. And I didn't expect to win against anybody. But when somebody, it doesn't make sense. He's got a thousand Twitter followers. I have 10,000. How do I lose by 75%? That in itself tells a story. Yeah, it smells fishy, right? A little bit. All right. So on to the next next one. What I wanted to talk to you about was 2021. 2020 was a weird year. Now, 2020, 2021 could also be. um, filled with some unique aspects because of COVID. Now, I've heard you talk about um, any uh, rule changes you might suggest for the 2021 season because of COVID. So you feel that, do you feel that if, say, you're like, you have um, players that go out because of COVID, you should be, you shouldn't be penalized for that? Well, look, we're in a, a very different, a difficult year. Could be the first time in all the years I've been playing fantasy baseball a league could be won or lost based upon innings, innings in labor. We have a $950 innings minimum. Now that could be a big problem with uh, the pitchers coming off the 60 game season. So many young pitchers in the league talked to Jim Bowden at length about this, his opinion. And I respect him tremendously. 140 innings is equivalent to 200 from years ago. 140. There are going to be pitchers going 100 innings, 90 innings, 120 innings, 140. You're going to be very hard pressed to get 950 innings if that's your innings requirement. Whatever it is, you're going to be hard pressed to do it. And people are making mistakes in trying to uh, accommodate that. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, One or two pitching injuries could knock you out depending on your league. I'm in an only league. A pitcher goes down, you'd be hard-pressed to even get another pitcher. And who wants to to take pitchers if you're in a deep league that haven't been drafted? What good is that going to do, right? It's going to help you as much as hurt you if these pitchers are still on the waiver wire. So the innings thing is one thing, but we're aware of that. I drafted in labor I drafted seven pitchers all around the $15, $16 range. I didn't go after the $40 Garrett Cole, Jake DeGrom, because if they go down, you're out. Right. You're done. That's it. You didn't, you didn't back them up. I backed up my Max Freed and Zach Wheeler with uh, three other $10, $12 pitchers. I forget who. But I'm, I'm just preparing for the fact if something goes wrong, I don't want to lose based upon innings. And that's a big deal. Now, the COVID is something different. We know the rules. We know Tommy John. We know about all the injuries. And whatever happens, happens. But this COVID thing, right now, there's a chance that we're being lulled to sleep, thinking it's going to be over in a couple of weeks, right? Everybody's getting the vaccine. And I'm all for that, believe me. But there's also a chance it could go the other way. And if that happens, 
For example, in labor, you may have seven teams who don't qualify because of innings. And wouldn't that be a shame? The integrity of the league would be lost. If it's about the Tommy John surgery and you lose it, well, we play with those situations. So I suggested, and I haven't figured out a way, at the end of the year, if you can document that you lost 50 innings due to COVID, how do we know at some point that teams aren't going to be uh, knocked out of the box for a week? That schedule is going to be screwed up. We don't know that. Chances are it's not going to happen. But what, what are we, too busy to make a rule accommodating if it does happen, a contingency rule? What are we going to deal with if six or seven contenders all of a sudden don't make the finals because they didn't meet the minimum innings? That's a shame. So account for that now. Just for the COVID, if 12 of your pitchers all go down for the season with Tommy John, too bad. We all that's how it's always been. So that, now I, COVID's different. I understand what you're saying. That being said, how do you feel about last year, 2020? Do you feel like it was a legitimate season or do you feel like it was sort of um, um, no. no? Well, I'll tell you why. Um, we played the game a number of years. Every year, there's probably 75% of the players all have good streaks and bad streaks. That's it. You go through a hot streak. Now, if it's at the beginning of the year and you're batting 425 in the first month of the season, uh, people are talking about the Hall of Fame, right? But then at the end of the year, you're hitting 286. Uh, so we all go through hot streaks. We all go through cold streaks with our players. In a 60-game season, you don't have a chance to turn it around. How do we know that Christian Yelich, after 60 games, doesn't get hot? and become the Christian Yelich of old in, in the last 100 games. So last year's stats, for the most part, I'm not even looking at. Right. And that's, uh, that's that brings me to one of the questions I was going to ask you um, later on, but I'll, I'll now that we're talking about it, we might as well talk about it, is the, the central divisions, and in, in particular, the, the poor performance of the NL central hitters. A lot of players on the Cubs, a lot of players on the Pirates, pretty much all of the Cardinals, with the exception of maybe Goldsmith, who had a, a good batting average but no power, all of those players um, perform poorly, and the and their counterparts, their pitchers, perform really well. So it's it's sort of like the chicken or the egg argument: like, were the pitching was the pitching just really good, or was the hitting really bad, or was there a different ball they were playing with completely, which I've heard as well. Oh, that I, I that I have no clue. I've heard this year's ball uh, has changed a little bit. It's coming from some of the pitchers but they're consistent. So consistency is what I've heard. That's it. Now, as far as uh, w what you mentioned, and of course you take a look at uh, Trevor Bauer and his Cy Young season against who? Against all the teams, <laughs> all the crappy teams in, in the Midwest. But that's, that's what you play. It's like saying Nolan Arenado is going to, uh, is going to be a terrible player outside of Coors Field. And then, but you don't take the position that, wait a second, he's leaving Coors. He's also leaving San Francisco. He's also leaving LA. He's also leaving San Diego, three potential pitchers ballparks. And where's he going? He's going to Cincinnati. He's going to Pittsburgh and he's going to um, uh, Chicago 
three potential hitting ballparks. So Pittsburgh is not that, hitting. Pittsburgh is not a hitting ballpark. Well, though. I'm just saying. But, yeah. Uh, you know, he's going to better hitting ballparks. Uh, let's put it that way. Right. So you look at the ballparks. You look at the divisions. Uh, I forget who, but there are. You look at the divisions. If you have a a player that's platooning against uh, left-handed pitchers, and then you take a look at the teams in his division, and there's only two left-handed pitchers, take a shot with them. That's part of. Well, that's the, that's the that's the NL Central. There's very very few left-handed pitchers right. in the Central. So you look at um, Jock Peterson as a guy. That's right. But that's um, part of playing the game. You take a look. It's a it's an analytic that we've been using for years, but we didn't know it was an analytic, right? We just noticed it. Now we know it, what it's all about. Right. So um, a couple um, a couple of news and notes recently. I know that you're in your your podcast. You do a great job of going through some news and notes. Um, one of the things I actually heard you talk about was Ty France. You've been talking about him a little bit. And um, you think that he's going to be primarily playing at second base is what I think what you said, but I thought Dylan Moore was going to be their second baseman. What are your thoughts on France and Moore and who's going to get the play? They're going to be platooning at second base. And I did get firsthand information on that. Okay. Not from, that's not my opinion. That's from, uh, that's from somebody who knows a lot more than I do. Let's put it that way. They're going to be platooning depending upon lefty righty pitchers. Uh, Dylan Moore is going to be playing other positions as well. But uh, France, France is going to be in there, and and he may even be a regular. You could draft Ty France, and be prepared. Same thing with um, um, Valar on the Mets. They may not have a, a, a designated spot, but they are going to get at bats. Ty France has shown that this guy can he can hit the ball. He's I thought he hit. was I thought he was going to be the full time DH in Seattle. Well, he may be. I'm saying is that uh, right now. Uh, the word has it they're going to be platooning lefty righty. But okay, they're they're both they're both right-handed hitters though. So, um, well, but one hits better against lefties and the other one against righties. Okay, okay. You can take a look that and that comes from uh, that's really top-notch inside information. Okay. I can't tell you who, but it's it's so secret you can't even say who. Well, let's put it this way: you can't go higher, and I was sworn not to say anything. Right? Okay, well there you go. You, you heard and it. You heard it. You heard it here within the team. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so let's let's talk about spring batting lineups, and I don't know how much importance you um, put on that. And one thing I heard you say, and I want to I want to talk about this, is that you heard that Trey Turner's going to bat leadoff, and they promised you who was it, Steve? Um, Steve Phillips swore, Steve Phil- no way, Lenny, that Trey Turner's not going to bat leadoff. There's no way. And I said, Steve, there's a way. And then I found out the way because I did some digging. All right. And the digging is, is that Trey Turner is not going to bat leadoff. The reason is, is they want Soto to bat second. Now, I don't know if this is, and they want somebody, how many times did Soto walk last year? Shit time. He was walking at a bonds pace. Unless he has somebody backing him up, he's going to be walked all day long. So they want Trey Turner to back him up and support Soto. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about two things. One, Soto, if he has somebody um, per, uh, legitimate protecting him, yeah. he could go off and have like an epic season. Mm-hmm. And two, if he's going to not be walked as much, he might. And there was there's talk about him steal, stealing more bases. He might actually steal less bases if he's not, if, very possible. I mean, look, Robles is batting first. Now, th- there's a couple of things to that. Last year he came into camp pounding his chest 
saying, I'm going to hit 20, 25 home runs. He even, he even gained, came into camp 20 pounds heavier, okay? He failed miserably. And the coach, when he came into camp last year, one of his coaches said, uh, uh, why did you do that kind of thing, okay? Well, he stunk. Uh, he lost the 20 pounds. And he learned by failure. That's what I've heard. He's, he's learned by because he failed last year. So they put him up to bat first. Uh, it's not just an experiment. It's really something that they want. Whether it works out or not, I don't know. But uh, what they want is they want Robles leading off. They want him running. They don't want him to go for the home run. They want him running. Uh, you, you put uh, Soto second. You bat Trey Turner third. So in this case, I know this has been orchestrated by the team. And where do I get my information from, okay? Um, I have interviewed so many beat writers over the years, become friends with a lot of them. And I've had a network. Before the internet, I established the network. Before, we <laughs> had used to have correspondents in every city. And uh, they would call. That's how I started in 1993, getting information from correspondents all over the United States, baseball fans. And I get information. They would read the newspapers in their town before the internet. They'd send me a, a, a letter. They'd call me. I still do it, but on a more sophisticated way. So that's one batting order that makes sense. The other, Another batting order is in St. Louis. They're going to bat um, Goldschmidt second, and they're going to bat Arenado third. Or mm -hmm. they may bet Arenado second and Goldschmidt third. You know, that depends. But that's not the key. The key is Paul DeJong is going to bat fourth. And that's the key. He's got the ability now as a, as a I'll use an auction value, as a $15 shortstop to maybe knock in 85, 90 runs. So that's the key to that batting order. Right now, tell them, I heard I heard that they're going to keep Arenado um, and Goldschmidt together. Goldschmidt two, Arenado three. Yeah. And um, the, tell me tell me about this. I heard that um, their manager, I think it's Schilt, right? Schilt, yeah. Yeah. He he said that it's definitely something he's considering, and and something that, uh, that he deserves is to put to Tyler O'Neill batting fourth. Uh, okay. He, he said he wouldn't. He's not. He's not ruling it out. But that that would that would be at the expense of Dijon. No, he's saying that it's something that he. Mm -hmm deserves so you think there's there's any possibility there everything is possible i'm just talking about you know you hear things and then next week i mean you hear that the leotis Tavares is no longer the center fielder in texas right maybe maybe not that's another thing on my agenda right yeah but they take him out so he's batting leadoff he didn't look comfortable and they take him out he's no longer batting leadoff then i see he's batting leadoff he has a good game yeah. And the manager says he looks comfortable now. So <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Well, um, it, 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 he could not be in a lineup at all. With yeah, they said Eli Eli White's having just as good, if not better, of a spring training than Tavares. So do you, do you see any? Do you see any? Do you get any? Do you get any? Um, uh, Oscar Mercado vibes from Tavares? Uh, Oscar Mercado 2.0, where he was uh, highly drafted. Um, Mercado was drafted a little bit higher in 2020 yeah. than than Tavares in 2021. But um, do you see any? Um, Groundhog Day type thing happening up there. Well, I will tell you that I think Tavares is outplaying um, White. Uh, they're both speedsters who can take a walk. Uh, Tavares got a little bit more pop in his bat. He's the guy that they want. 
he could hit about 255, 260. He could even hit 10 to 15 home runs, okay? He had an 0 for 12 streak uh, where he was terrible, and, and that's where they moved him out of the number one spot. But he's the guy that I can only tell you they want him to bat leadoff. The reason they moved him out during his 0 for 12 streak, um, they felt that he was pressing, and, and they wanted to take some pressure off. So they moved him down. He his swing. He looked better. Whatever, I'm not there, but he looked better, and, um, and they moved him back in. They moved him back in there. Another another um, situation I want to ask you about is Cleveland. And, and before I before I ask you that, I want to I would say that um, looking for news, Terry Francona and AJ Hinch are probably the two best managers for getting information from. Would you agree? Francona for sure. And okay. Hinch, AJ Hinch been great. He he does his Zoom update like almost yeah. every day. Okay, I think both, yeah, both, that's, those, that's both those guys are great. And one of the things that, that I did hear Francona say was he was um, he how do you how do you want to how do I want to put this? He um, made light of or he he doesn't he didn't really um, take much stock into Eddie um, not Eddie but Ahmad Ahmed Rosario making those three errors in that one game. I think it sounded like he really wanted to stick with Rosario. How do you see that playing time situation shake out in Cleveland? Okay. Now you're going to kick me off the uh, airwaves right now when I get done with this. And I was kind of hoping you didn't bring it up, but I, I'm bringing it. All right, oh, shit. It. Here we go. Amari Rosario was my sleeper of the offseason, okay? Okay. Uh, I thought he was getting traded to Cincinnati. Now here's the deal. Three errors. One ball popped out of his glove. Another ball he went the wrong way. I don't know what happened with him. I saw Amari Rosario in Binghamton uh, when he was 22 years old. When he stepped on the, I knew he was there, but I didn't know who he was. He steps on the field and I turned to Andrew and I go, whoa, who is that guy? And sure enough, his field presence just knocked me over. It was like a man against boys. I followed him very carefully. Yeah, defensively, he's nothing. But how do you discount a player who hit 15 home runs and stole 19 bases, age 23? What, all of a sudden he's garbage? So we know he could hit. All they got to do is figure out where to play him. I'm not too sure about center field. The Mets did try him there. Didn't work out. Uh, I don't know where he's going to play. He may wind up as the DH out there because he's a play. I know, I know, but he may. I'm just saying they got to get playing. They got to get Franny, Franny at, sec at first base then. I don't know what they're going to do. And I'll tell you something else they could do. There's a possibility they could trade him. Okay. That's been rumored also. I, I know they want Josh Naylor in left field. That's, but they just come out and said that uh, in the Cleveland Plain Dealer today. Uh, they want Naylor to be one of their outfielders. And I saw Josh, we go to the Arizona Fall League every year. And if you've never been there, you got to drop what you're doing and you got to go to the Arizona Fall League. It's, it's like going to camp. Uh, it's the greatest hidden place in sports. Absolutely. Now, I go there for a month. All right? I'm not saying wow. you got to do that. But when uh, imagine waking up every day, have a choice of games to go to, and it depends on who's pitching. All right? But you go there during the day. There's 400 people in the stands because it's too hot, and, and, and 300 of them are scouts. And you see the players up close, and then at night you go to another game, it's phenomenal. But we saw Josh Naylor. Everybody thinks he's John Crook. 
I mean, that's what he looks like, right? And they call him, they say he's a bad defensive player. Uh, he just looks a little heavy. Right. Just look, he doesn't, he's not heavy. He's just a big, he's just big. He could run, he could field. It may not be the best, but he's not a liability. And he's a pure hitter. Changed his swing a little bit, shortened it. Here's another guy in Cleveland. It's going to have a good year. Looks like Mercado was bouncing back. You know, when I do my homework and talk to the beat writers and everybody, they can only tell me who they want to play center field. It's too early in the spring to say who is going to play center field, but they want Mercado to play center field. No secret there. Right. And another thing with these lineups that are, that, that are, that are being produced in spring training is that, yeah, you can, you can sort of see what they want to do, but after a week of hitting or hitting poorly, like those lineups can change real quickly. Well, lineups change all the time, and you got to watch the pitchers. There was a pitcher who pitched a tremendous game the other day, and then I took a look at the lineup he pitched against, and I, and he, I didn't identify any, any player in the lineup. So you got to be careful. Also, you know what else fools people? When they bring in a, a potential closer in the eighth inning, and he gets the save. So many people, well, there he is. You bring a guy in in the eighth inning, he is not being considered to be the closer. The the guy's being considered to close. <laughs> you can you can get it. No, I, the guys who are considered to close are the guys who come in in the third inning. What's going on? I got a phone call. This will make good radio. Remember, you said your best podcast. Hello, hello who's calling? Yes, hi. Oh, you want to reduce my student loan? Well, I graduated college <laughs> in 1869. It's $3 million right now. Take off a couple hundred. All right. <laughs> right? Every day, right? Yeah. But you know what? You get these crank calls. You get them in Toronto? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, you yeah. get them. So here's what you do. You just say, hi. Okay, You. this sounds terrific. It's going to save me. Right. What city are you calling from? Mm -hmm. And they give you a city. And then ask them, what time is it? And they hang up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. It's so funny. Oh, I'm calling from Atlanta. What time is it? And it's uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, and they say it's 7 o'clock at night. Right? Oh, I, I, got, I, got a, I got a call the other day. Um, have you ever gotten ones um, that you've, um, that like, well, we have the CRA with Canada Reg Revenue Agency, but you'd have something different in the States where they, right. they say you're, like, something about your social insurance number or your social. Or your, oh, yeah, right. Something like it's that. Suspended, right? It's been suspended, right? You need to you need to take immediate action. So they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, hello. And they're like, what's your, so they're like, we need to know your social insurance number. I'm like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot going to tell you my social insurance number. Yeah. They're like they're like what's your social insurance number I'm like okay hold on i'll tell you and then like they're like i'm like it's three and like what do you what do you mean it's three and i'm like yeah my social insurance number is three and then they're like no like you got to be more numbers i'm like no like my mom's one my dad's two and i'm three like mm -hmm. obviously that makes sense and then they, they obviously they well, know, they just know. ask them what city they're calling from and what time is it and yeah. they'll hang up on you okay and there it, you go and it's fun Okay, so I think those are the, those are the two valuable tips that we just gave our listeners. Um, That's right. It's probably better than who's playing right field in Cleveland. Abso that. Absolutely, it's more, those are they're, they're, those are more sure to work than um, <laughs> than the tips about the Cleveland outfield. Right. Um, so uh, let's talk about some new pitches. Um, two two players I want to talk to you about is Corbin and Nola. So Corbin, he has a cutter that he says is a slider, but mm -hmm. I also think, but I think he has a fastball that I call a changeup. Uh, okay. Well, look, you know, he gave up the most hits of any pitcher, uh, last year, and he's, he's really going for a very low value. 
Uh, you know, he did come up with a change up that he only used 1% of the time two years ago, but he says it's, it's not going to, it's not going to change him as a pitcher. It's just another pitch that he could use. So I'm not getting carried away with that. Aaron Nola came up with a new pitch as well. Uh, he called it a cutter. Uh, good. Here's the problem. Every time a pitcher comes up with a new pitch, you got to pay attention and see if it's working. Every time a batter comes up with a new batting stance, you got to pay attention and see if it's working. But just because he comes up with a new pitch at this stage of the game, to me, it doesn't mean anything yet. Okay. I want to see what happens. Right. Okay. So no, yeah, Nola doesn't have that. doesn't have very good results so far um, with in spring training, but you can't really take, I don't really take that for, for much. I'm still drafting. No, you can't, you can't. Now let's talk about Boston. There's two guys in Boston, two um, potential rookies, Tanner Hawk and Jaron Duran. Both of them have been optioned. Dar- Jaron Duran's in the lineup today, batting second still, but they, they've already yeah. said he's going to, he's going to start in the, at the alternate site or in triple A. Yeah. Um, what do you, do you expect the, do you have any inside information on when they're going to, when they're going to be up? No, unless, uh, um, What's his name? Duran? Is that how we pronounce his name? Jared Duran? Yeah. He, 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 he's a speed guy. He, he draws a lot of walks. Um, he's got to learn how to make better contact, although he's pretty good. I don't have any idea when he's going to be called up. It really depends on how he pl- – it's simple. How is he playing compared to the guys that are up in the majors? And with Hauk, he's got to prove himself that he can put the ball over the plate. I think during the spring, he has about 10 walks, something like that. So until he changes that around, he's not, he may not come up at all. He's got to show that he's got the ability to put the ball over the plate. So far, he hasn't done it. All right. One last, one last guy for player news. And it's a question for you. If you talk about Randy Dobnak, can I bet my sweet bibby that you have him on a team? I do have him on my team. I have him on a, <laughs> a serious XM team. I had him last year. Now here's the deal. He's he's gotten a lot of strikeouts this new year. New slider? He no, he's got a new shortstop. That's why I like him so much. Okay. And Jordan, he's a ground ball pitcher. Now, this is another thing that you know, it does make a difference. You got a ground ball pitcher and maybe the best defensive shortstop in the game. Uh and probably the best defensive center fielder in the game. It absolutely. And who's playing second base? Is the best second baseman in the is game? Is it Polanco too? or is it Arias? Uh, I don't know, but still, no. They got uh, defensively up the middle, and that's Dob next game. So uh, what he's doing this year, which surprises me, is because he's not a real strikeout pitcher. I, f- I think he's got nine strikeouts uh, after facing fifteen batters, something like that. Don't quote me on that. But, but the thing is, he's not in the rotation yet. Or... Well, yeah, but that's okay. He'll be. A, Rotation. This year, with pitchers' innings being watched, and uh, let me say this, any year, you can't tell me more than one or two teams who go with a five-man pitching staff all year. Every team is bound to use, even on a regular year, uh, six, seven, eight pitchers during the course of the season for one reason or another. This year, you take a look at the at the lineup at the depth charts. Every team has the ability to throw in seven starters. They could almost have a seven-man rotation. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but they have the ability. And Dobnak's going to get innings. Now, look, he he's, he was never going to get 
more than 120 innings anyway. But if he racks up 110, 120 innings, he just adds to the mix. He's a good pitcher. Yeah, I think every team you're right, except for maybe the Nationals. They just have no depth there. Um, there's, there's a couple of teams that don't have the depth, but every team has a pitcher who's been in the rotation. They got seven of them. So that leads me to the question that I had in terms of strategy this year, like in, in these weekly leagues, which I, I believe that you play in, which are, which are weekly lineup changes. We yeah. in the NFBC pitching is pitching is a weekly change. Um, do you, do you, do you think any change, anything changes this year in 2021 um, with respect to to start pitching? Because you're going to have more six man rotations. You're going to have less innings pitched. Do those player, do those pitchers that you're drafting, like in the later rounds, like your John Lester's, your Randy Dobnecks, or even like your Martin Perez on the Red Sox, do they lose value this year uh, because they just become more? Absolutely. You'll see what's going to happen this year more than ever. A couple of things. You're going to see young pitchers coming up from the minors and getting a spot start. You're going to be seeing a seven man. I won't call it a rotation. You're going to see teams using seven pitchers. You're going to see more of the opener this year than ever before. All this is due to managing innings. I don't care who you are. There's a couple of pitchers who are going to go the 200 innings, right? But, um, 140 innings is the 200 innings mark from a couple of years ago. And so many general managers and people that I've talked to have said, it's a crapshoot when you throw your pitchers out there who pitched 60 innings and expect them to do 150. It's a crapshoot. You're playing with the dice. So a lot of teams are going to take the position that they're going to manage as many innings as they can. So would that in turn um, lead you to believe that players like DeGrom, Cole, Lance Lynn have like an even greater value this year um, relative to other pitchers than they, did, than they did before? You see, that's where people are getting it wrong. Hmm. You think they have that value. They do. Garrett Cole. I'm drafting Garrett Cole because of the innings. He gives me 200 innings. And I'm going to spend $40 on a Garrett Cole, right? right. Now, okay, sounds good. You lose Garrett Cole, you're done. You'll never make the innings up because the pitchers you have be behind them are probably aren't going to be any good. How much can you spend for pitching, right? What are you going to do? Spend uh, forty dollars for one. If you, I'm talking about the auction now, of course. Right. If you spend forty dollars for a pitcher and don't back them up, you're out of your mind. You devalue them. What do you so, mean back them up? Like if I draft, if I. In like the, in the auctions I've done, I've done several auctions already. I, yeah. I, I've I've got a Garrett Cole, and I've backed him up with like a Zach Gallant is my second pitcher. Yeah, and you got to back him up. And I've taken a Fran Valdez as my third pitcher. That's it. So, that, Too many people take the position. I got Cole. I got Degrom. I can wait, and you wind up with three or four crappy pitchers. What's the point of getting uh, Cole and Degrom now? See, with, but the innings thing in labor. I backed up what I say. You see, if you do a talk show or a podcast and you don't try to do what you preach, nothing you say means anything. So I've been preaching about the innings thing, Mm -hmm. potential catastrophe. I've been preaching that I'm not going to take a $30, $40 pitcher because I'll have too much invested in him. And if he goes down, I'm dead. Now in normal, normal year. Okay. 
you can still win with four pitchers. You can't do it this year. You're not going to have the innings if you're an innings minimum. Some leagues don't have it. Okay, so I'm talking about if there's an innings minimum, most leagues have that. Now, uh, so I've I've taken the position that I drafted seven $15, $16 pitchers in labor. Okay, I had, I uh, forget who I had, but I think five of them were 15. I had Freed, I have uh, Corbin Burns. Uh, and then I backed them up with a couple of other good, uh, but I have seven pitchers able to start. To me, I feel comfortable with the innings. You get Garrett Cole, you can't do that. You've already invested too much. Now, what about people that start with, say, two stud pitchers? Maybe you, maybe, maybe you get Garrett Cole and Brandon Woodruff. Or in a, in, an ex, in a great example, I've seen early in the season before pitching started getting pushed up more in the NFBC, I've seen teams that started Garrett Cole and Lucas Giolito together. Now, okay. if, if several of those teams, um, if several teams in your league do that, so say somebody grabbed Giolito or somebody grabbed Giolito and Cole, somebody grabbed Nola and Darvish together, somebody paired um, Luis Castillo and Bueller, and you have four, four of those teams that do it. Does that sort of take the advantage away from going those pocket aces and, and you know what I mean? Does it sort of it ruin your advantage if, if many teams do it? You must be very smart to draft pocket aces because you'll need at least three more pitchers and you draft pocket aces and three garbage pitchers. What do you got? What did you do? Where's your advantage? Okay. You don't have an advantage. You have to draft pocket aces and then be smart enough to back them up with three other pitchers who just will not hurt you, who may help you a little bit. But there are too many pitchers that you're going to get when you draft late in the draft or when you don't have any money left that are going to absolutely hurt you. So uh, you got to be very, you got to know what you're doing. It's not that simple to say, I got my two pitchers and I'm going to sit back and relax. You can't do it that way. Okay. That's, that's a really, that's a really good piece of advice. I've uh, never heard someone put it that way before, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, now in terms of um, po- uh, drafting pocket aces first, you, you miss out. It's, it's, it's a juggling act because what's scarce in the first couple of rounds or with what you're going to spend a lot of your auction dollars are, are starting pitcher um, speed, batting average right. ratios. And um in my opinion, shortstops. I think shortstops really fall out, like really fall off a cliff uh, quickly. Like starting pitching. Now, um, do you think you need to pay for that speed in those first couple rounds? And um, do you think shortstops are important to, to to get early? Well, I don't. You know what? I don't go by position. Uh, when I'm playing in a roto kind of a league, um, I tier my players, but not by position. I tier them by categories. So if I'm doing a snake draft, uh, I have categories. uh, By by the way, I think rankings in baseball mean absolutely zero. Zero. In football, they work because every player is getting scored on the same premise. Uh, Receptions, yardage, touchdowns. In baseball, when you're playing in a roto style, you need to have your second baseman being um, categorized and ranked by batting average, home runs, by all the categories. And you may take the seventh best shortstop because he gives you speed and the guys who may be ranked higher don't. 
So I put the players in tiers. I want to know at any given time during the snake draft what tiers are, are running out. So it's not a shortage of position. It's a shortage of tiers. And when you look at the scarcity of position, it's not before the draft. Before the draft, there's no scarcity. Okay? It's once the draft starts. And what I have found that once the draft starts, first baseman go off the board right away. Next thing you know, if you're not paying attention, I got no first baseman. Right? There's nobody to take. So first base to me, even though it's uh, once the once the draft starts, that's the position that becomes scarce. I kind of find the opposite. I find that there's a lot of guys in the like the in the 100s up to 200 that that are that are very serviceable. Like for example, like Matt Olson. I'm never drafting him because he's 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 going in, he's going in a range of the draft where mm-hmm. a lot of similar value players like Rizzo, Goldschmidt are going that aren't going to sink your batting average in the in the worst case. And he's he's and he's what and what is his upside? His upside is a couple of home runs over CJ Crone, Jared Walsh, Reese right. Hoskins, Christian so why, Walker. Why, he's my favorite, by the way. Yeah, Walker, exactly. Why yeah. why draft Olsen? Why draft Rizzo? Why draft right. Goldschmidt if I can get Walker, Crone, Walsh, Hoskins? Oh, exactly. So I'm I'm the opposite with first base. But it does fall off. I mean, uh, if, if you take a look. All those guys go real quick. Oh, okay. So I, 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 I thought you were talking about like the very beginning of the draft, but you're talking about like. Oh no, not the beginning. I'm talking about. I thought you meant scarcity of position, and to me, first base gets scarce. As I said, nothing is scarce until the draft starts. You can get any position you want in the first couple of rounds, but you take first base, for example, and I'll tell you something. After after the Garrett after the Olsons uh, and the Luke vote, uh, you wind up with what uh, Ryan Montcastle and um, uh, Eric Thank Hosmer, you. and uh, yeah, there's it, it drops off big time. I mean, who's Jesus Aguilar? No, I don't want him. We don't even know. I don't want him either. We don't know how much playing time he's going to get. Garrett Cooper could be the better player. Everybody's in love with Jared Walsh. Every, so first base, you take a look. After Goldschmidt, I think it really drops off. What about Baum? Baum people seem to like. Well, he's yeah, they kind of like batting him. average. I mean, I saw him play, and I see a lot of players up close in Arizona. And uh, certainly, yeah, he just looks the part. Maybe a little. I, I just hope he can play the position. I have found after watching these kids, Ryan Montcastle was where I found this. Um, you have a big third baseman and sometimes they have a hard time fielding the position because the ball comes at him so quick. Montcastle, what, 6'5"? He couldn't get down on the ball. Mm. Right? They're saying the same thing about Bomb, which is why there's been a lot of talk about moving him to first base. All right? So third base could be tough, but yeah. No, next, year, next year they'll have the DH. So him or Hoskins will be the DH. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. What about Walsh? Have you heard anything about Walsh? Because he's a guy I don't know what to make of. I don't, I, you know what? I haven't seen him play. I just read the same thing that everybody else does. And I haven't really paid a lot of attention uh, to Walsh, but uh, from what I see in the stats, um, if it came down to uh, needing a first baseman, he's available. Wouldn't hesitate. Right. All right. 
Um, now we talked a little bit about catchers before we started recording um, your approach to catchers. A lot of people want to take it. A lot of people see the value in JT Ramuto early. I've seen him taken as early before the injury in the late second round. That's now, the dumbest thing that's happened so far this year. Let me, <laughs> I get well, a little, you know, you've heard well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk, but I just want to, I just want to, no, it's okay. I just, I'll, I'll I'll react. Let, no, that's good. I love it. Now, I just want to preface it by saying that in, in a points league, I can understand it because you look at the, the, like the, 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 um, the replacement value at catcher, I see it. The math is there. But in a, in a roto league, you have to deal with uh, positional and categorical scarcity. And like I get GT removed, he'll steal you a handful of bases, perhaps, probably seven, eight, maybe if you're lucky. Um, but like what you're passing on there, like really, really good hitters that are going to steal you bases. I can see you taking a Ramuto over like an Eloy Jimenez if you're looking at it purely like they'll get you to What? Say- Eloy's going to be a top five player in baseball. Go ahead, next. I'm sorry. Okay, talk, talk about excited. talk about your catching. Go go off. Go off. I get very excited. Okay, I'm ready for you to explode. Go ahead. <laughs> Real Muto. <laughs> a very common error that we all make is forgetting that the player who's making the headlines in the offseason is not necessarily the player who's going to be making the headlines during the season. All all offseason, Real Muto. Where's he going? Where's he going? Where's he going? Uh, he's a good player and maybe the best catcher in the game. He very well may be that. But when you have players like uh, Salvatore Perez, uh, 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 Grandal, uh, James McCann, they're going to hit similar Contreras. They're going to hit about the same home runs as Real Muto. They'll give you about the same batting average, maybe a little less than the RBIs, depending upon where they bat. But what's the big deal? Why well, I'd rather drop down to round eight and take a Sean Murphy, for goodness sake, who'll hit you 17 to 20 home runs. Uh, to spend it on Real Muto uh, in the fourth round, to me, is ridiculous. He doesn't give you that much of an advantage. The, the argument that people use for Real Muto is that he's going to get you the playing time that other catchers won't. And now I read something, I forget where I read it the other day. And they said that, um, I read this on Twitter, um, uh, Andrew Knapp, their backup catcher, was, yeah. is, it was basically the personal catcher for Zach Eflin. Now, Zach Eflin's injured now, but he, um, I, don't know how, I don't know how long for, but if Knapp, if when Knapp caught Eflin, Real Muto moved to first base and a lot of DH. There is no DH this year. So there's like, I don't know, like with the, with the inability of uh, Nap going or, or JT Romuto going to play first base or DH, because if he plays first, there's nowhere to move Hoskins this year. Um, I don't know if he's going to get that much. I don't know if he's going to get that percentage of playing time as he did last year, this year. Oh, I agree with you. But you got guys like Perez, even Travis Dorno is going to get at bats. Grandal is going to get at bats. McCann is the number one catcher. Contreras for the Cubs. Uh, if Sanchez hits, he's going to get you. At belly. He's a big if. Uh, uh, yeah. So as far as at bats, that's uh, that's good. But still, there are going to be plenty of catchers who hit a, almost the same home runs, almost the same RBIs, almost the same batting average. I don't see. Where Remuto jumps off the page as a fourth round pick. Right. Now, um, this sort of goes into the conversation of drafting for value versus categories <laughs> okay. a little bit. So, 
Can you talk about like, in, we're talking Roto, obviously now people draft for value. Like um, you, you explained it better than I could, but talk about um, your approach in, in drafting for value versus categories. Well, I've taken, I've seen so many, so many comments that uh, uh, for $15, I'm going to get $25 worth of value. That's why I took them. Okay. I don't have any problem with that especially if you're an accountant, all right? That's what it comes <laughs> down to. But to me, if that value player is there, but he doesn't give me the stolen bases that I need, and yet there's another guy who's not going to give me the value, I'm going to pay for it, even up. I'm going to pay $15. I'll get $15 worth of value. I'm not going to make a profit on him, but he's going to give me the categories I need. I'm taking that player. And there's another similar thing that people don't pay attention to is in a keeper league. People ask every day, who should I keep? Who should I keep? Sometimes you don't keep the best player. And this is a tip that if you're listening, nobody talks about this. To determine a keeper, the first thing you do is take a guess, educate a guess on the players that are going to be kept. And you may have a shortstop and a second baseman with the shortstop being the much better player but you discover if you keep the the if you keep the shortstop and get rid of the second baseman you may not be able to get a second baseman in your draft because they're all kept as opposed to having the ability to get a shortstop if that's the case you got to take the second best player over the first you got to look at your draft, see your draft board. Too many of us in an auction, we're counting our money, we're saving our money. There's a whole theory about that too. And they're not paying attention to the players left. What's the point if you got the most money, but the players that you want are gone? doesn't make any sense. I have been in auctions for 30 years. You never go into an auction with a predetermined idea I'm going to save my money till the end because last year there were bargains or in 1985, there were bargains. No, I have taken a player. I've thrown out a player that I wanted in the second. I'm going to ask you a question. Gotcha. Not, all right. Let's talk about Brian Anderson, $19 in a NL only league, right? All right. I could take the position that I'm going to throw him out first. Whoa. Why would you throw them out first, Lenny? Why don't you wait? Because what I've noticed in auction drafts this year, people are going hot and heavy on the big players, right? Mm -hmm. And they're spending, overspending. In every draft I've seen, I've been in, a, I've been in drafts. I was, an, uh, um, I was the analyst on two drafts on Sirius. Forget it. The big players are going for the big money. Brian Anderson is an example not a big player. If I throw him out, he's not going to go for more than what he's worth. People are going to be saving. They're not going to be overspending on mediocre players. I'm using Anderson as an example. They're going to be waiting for the big players. And those are the players they're overspending on. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I th I, I've done a lot of auctions this year. I've done, I haven't done any NL auctions, but I think people are. Well, any league. I just throw them out. I think people, I think people are overspending on, um, 
big players on big players for sure i'm finding it more difficult i'm usually going i usually do try to do this the, the stud and dud approach but i haven't been able to achieve that this year because i think players like the sotos are just going yeah. for way more things that i have noticed this year in, in auctions are that typically uh, you see in a snake draft um the stud pitchers like your Garrett cold the grand beavers are are going perhaps first and second DeGrom and Cole, but in right. auctions, you can get them cheaper relative to the, their hitting counterparts. So I think if you, if you really, if you do have a strategy, a strategy to go pitching early, these auctions are good for you. Um, because I don't know what the auction, I don't know about the auctions you play in, but the auctions that I play in, in the NFBC, the pitching is generally a little bit cheaper than hitting like on the, on the top end. Okay. And another thing I've noticed that if you do want a player, um, say, say you want, um, you, you see, you want like um, an Edwin Diaz as your closer and, and um, Chapman just went off the board. Mm-hmm. I tend to, I tend to, if I, if I really want a player I want, and I see a player of the same tier or, or position go for a relatively um, reasonable price, I'll throw them out right then because I think it's recency bias in, in the people's minds in an auction <laughs> um, that it, you won't, you won't have to overspend on that player because mm-hmm. you want to get, you want to, you want the player to be, you, if you want to, if you want a player, you want it to be nominated in a point in the auction where people aren't overspending. So I think there's the risk also that you always have the people that screw up an auction because they um, have too much money left on the table. That's so right. You're always going to have at least one or two guys in the auction that just have too much money on the table. So if you, you say, Oh, I'm going to wait on Kevin Gossman because I love Kevin Gossman. I'm going to get him. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend big on pitching pitching because I'm going to get him for $12 in a mixed league. Guess what? There's going to be that one player that has too mm-hmm. much money left that didn't buy pitching. There's players that, that all they waited and they're going to keep the money in their purse. Exactly. It, it never works like that. Exactly. And if that's the, you have to have, you got to be ready. You have to have your alternate take Kevin Gausman. You got to have your uh, Di Sclafani. If I don't get Gausman at 15, I'm going to get Di Sclafani at 13. Or whatever it is, you know, you gotta have an old. It's not gonna happen for me. Well, but I'm, I'm just not saying, <laughs> you gotta. Well, I just throwing out names. I'm joking. I'm just but joking. You, like in the NL only, I've got Hoskins at first, Josh Bell at first, Christian Walker at first. I have nineteen dollars for anyone, or twenty-one dollars for the first one of those who come out. I'm right. not gonna wait. Whoever comes out first, Josh Bell came out first in the uh, labor league came up for 21. I grabbed them. Yeah. I grabbed them. Like the last guy in that tier. Right. That, that guy tends to be the most expensive. Yeah. Whoever, whoever comes out first, I think that's it. That, that's a, that's a, that's a good strategy. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Maybe, maybe quickly we'll talk about some prospects, like what you, like what you, what you think your, uh, their ETAs will be. Um, a couple guys like Kalenic and Tramel on the, on the Mariners. When do you see them up? Oh, Kalenic is killing it because he's not playing well, right? <laughs> so uh, he'll, he'll come. He'll be called up as soon as he starts hitting. And it could be the first month of the season. Uh, well, same thing with Trammell, who's, you know, something about him. He's on his second team already, third team. He's already been with two teams. Yeah, San Diego, um, I think the Reds. But still, Seattle, he's battling it out with uh, Jake Fraley right now. He, he has a pretty good chance of making the team. Uh, I don't know. Was he sent down already? I didn't see that. No, I, I think Ryan Devish of the Mariners, his beat writer, said that he yeah. said he thinks that Trammell makes the team over Freeland. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's one of the guys who I talked to. But um, yeah, he could make the team. Uh, but and if he doesn't, with these guys, I'm a Kalenic, you know, 
with what happened with all the controversy. Um, he's, it would be very hard to send him down. But the way he's playing, very well may happen. I got him hitting about 280, maybe 15, 16 home runs and 10 stolen bases. In um, in like what five of the six months? You're, you're no, saying? I'm talking. I'm talking about for the end of the season. That's what I expected. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to play only five of the six months. So yeah, yeah. So um, what do you, what what sort of pick do you think that's worth in a snake draft? What round? Of a, oh, draft? I don't go. I can't. I can't handle the rounds because I deal with so many different right. teams. Ten. Teams. Right. That's why I try to put everything in a dollar amount. It gives me a better indication of how I feel about a player. Okay, what do you think about? Elliot Ramos on the on the on the San Francisco Giants. When do you think we see him? If we see him at all, because that outfield that that team is so crowded already. Like even like like no one's going to get like no, I shouldn't say no one. A lot of those players aren't going to get full time playing time. Right. Be it Longoria, Estella, Belt, Dickerson, Dubon, um, Solano. There's so what many about guys. Austin Slater, who could be a double Steven, double guy. Stephen right. Duggar. They're saying these the Duggars, not the Dug. I saw him in Arizona. See all these players in Arizona, and he left a negative impression with me. For some all right, yeah, I know I haven't drafted him, but I've got a lot. I've got a lot, of, a lot of Austin Slater. So, I'm, what do you? Yeah, what's the, that? I don't like, know. Dr. Ram, like Helio Ramos, like he's he's probably the, one of the top three hitters in spring training. I would say. Yeah, he's going to wind up. He could wind up hitting twenty home runs and stealing ten bases, but he's got to get some minor league under his belt. When uh, do you think we could see him? Why well, again? We could see him very early, depending upon, you know, it's not just a question of when we can see him. It's what's going on in the outfield in San Francisco. Does anybody have to be replaced? And is he tearing it up? We could see him in the first month if that happens. Well, you right? already have, you already you already have too many people there. You got like Corey, I'm uh, not Corey, Alex Dickerson. You got yeah. Yaz. You got, and then you got a center fielder in maybe Dubon and Slater, and you mm-hmm. got so a lot. You got it's already. You're already eat, they're already eating into each other's playing time, and then to bring good. Ramos they're, up, they're all good names. They could all. Would you be surprised if every name you mentioned floundered? Maybe except Yastrzemski, right? Would you be? Would it shock you if all the guys? Okay, do yeah, one. It kind of would. Like, no, it wouldn't. Come on, none of these guys have ever done it before. Dickerson. Dubon, well, the health health wise. Like, yeah, but do one probably is a better second baseman than he is a shortstop. Uh, for fantasy purposes, but I mean, then he is an outfielder. But look, there's a possibility that uh, uh, Ramos clicks in, keeps doing what he's doing in the spring. He could get called up fairly soon. The hey. days of, you know, there were players that skipped AAA altogether. They're sending them down because they have enough players who have uh, earned the right to show what they could do. Ramos needs another year in the minors. But if he hits, he'll get called up. All right. What about um? What do you think about Bobby Witt? I got I, I got to ask you that one. I don't know. What a surprise, right? I know. Uh, he yeah. He may wind up. Uh, who knows where he could play second base? He could play third base. He could play the outfield. Um, look, second round pick. I don't know. He's supposed to make it. He's the biggest surprise this year in terms of a surprise of uh, making the team out of uh, spring training. If he does make the team out of spring training, he's going to play every day. That's one thing that I guarantee you. They're not going to keep him on the major league roster to sit on the bench. He's going to play every day. Where? Couldn't tell you. 
I like Hunter Dozier on that team, so I don't think they'll be playing third base. They got who else? They got Mary. They got look. I, I'm telling you, Kansas City is a very is a very good long shot bet to do something this year in that Central Division. But if they decide to keep Witt, then he'll play. All right, wait, wait. he's having a pretty good spring. What do spring training stats mean to you? Because I, I, I was looking at them, and there's three. There's sorry, there's four players that in this spring, and you can tell me. You can tell me uh, this means nothing to you if you want to. But there's four players that are hitting 300, have at least three home runs, and have at least stolen one base. One of them is Elliot Ramos, who we just talked about. Okay. Another guy is uh, Badu on the Tigers. Akil, I think Akil Badu is his name. Yeah. Another guy's Nick Solak on the Rangers. Three home runs, one stolen base. Yeah, Solak had, had you know, I was talking about him yesterday to uh, somebody out there in Texas. The consensus is, is that he's, he's really putting it together. Yeah. He's really putting it together. Now, the uh, Detroit guy, they just got so much. Detroit's putting together a nice team, okay? But they have so many candidates when you can't even find a home for uh, – some of these guys who have played in the majors for a number of years. Uh, I don't think he's starting his name Badu. No. I don't, yeah. he's, he's not going to, he's not going to be around for most of the year. Okay. And then the other, and then, so there's a fourth guy. So all those guys were 300, three home runs, one stolen base. Right. There's a fourth player that Matt Miller's criteria, except this guy's hitting 600. Do you know who he is? I, uh, I, I didn't hear this guy. This guy's um, like the criteria were you're batting at least 300 in spring training. You got three home runs and one stolen base. Yeah. Those we talked about three of them. I didn't get the guy's name. I didn't, I didn't say it. I don't want to see if you can guess it. There's, there's, there's three of them. That's why I didn't say that. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's, there's Solak, there's bad dude, there's Ramos. And this, this is a fourth player, but he's not only hitting 300, he's hitting 600. He's batting 600. Oh, okay. You got me. I don't know who it is. Shohei I know who it is. Shohei Shohei Otani. Oh, forget it. I thought no, I don't. I don't put him in the category of those guys. Uh, yeah, Otani. And not only that, he's hitting the ball over this over the buildings in the yeah. outfield, and then he pitches, and he, and he's look. I I think it's reaching a point where the Angels may have to make a decision. To keep him out of the lineup is a crime. Yeah. He's that good. Uh, I think a decision may be made to put him in the lineup every day and hold off on pitching. Now, I haven't heard this from anybody. This is just my opinion. To sit him twice a week, I won't say stupid, but it's a crime. And that's why the biggest mistake made in the offseason the Angels not getting Trevor Bauer, Bauer, let's say, or a big-time pitcher so they could put Otani in the lineup and m- maybe make him a closer, okay? You want to, you know, if it comes down to it, take off your first baseman's glove and step on the mound and face one batter, okay. I don't know. But you can't keep him out of the lineup. He is so good, man. Like, the only thing is he's been a little bit injury-prone in terms of pitching, but like I'm just watching him play, and he is just such a good athlete. Like his swing yeah. is so effortless. Like if I were the Angels, I would say I would agree. I would say 
don't let him pitch because okay, he throws at 100 miles an hour, but he's he's been he's been known to get hurt and his results are are hit yeah. or miss. I would literally put him at shortstop because I think he could do anything. He is such a good athlete. I think he could, I'd, put, I'd, I'd make him my starting shortstop. And you, you, well, even if he pitches, how many innings is he going to throw this year? I mean, come I on. Don't I, I don't get it. Sometimes I don't get it. Uh, um, I don't get it. All right. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, he's uh, uh, I knew I knew the guy who was hitting 600, but I, I, I didn't put him in the rookie class. Sorry. So, there you go. All right. Well, Lenny. I appreciate you um, coming yes, on sir. my. I, I appreciate you coming on the Draft Champion podcast. I've, well, we've done I, already. Do you want to? I got more. Do you, you want to keep going? Me? I got. I got some. I got some more. I got. So I got. A, I I'm can, free till four o'clock. I can. I can interview for the rest of the day, buddy. Like I, I got more questions. I, <laughs> no, I, I'm just, uh, okay, I got. I got. I had. I had a bunch of stupid questions. Time. I had a bunch of stupid <laughs> questions for you that I was gonna. That I was gonna ask you. That's my favorite stupid oh, questions. Okay, you know why? I'm the master at stupid answers. So. Okay, here, so here's here's. Okay, I'll start with. Okay, but I was just kidding. If you know. You don't have to extend the show. I know. Yeah. I'll, 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 we'll extend it into the stupid question portion right now. So, go ahead. If, if you're if you're if you had a fantasy team and these players are playing in the major league base in major league baseball this year, Barry Bonds or Chris Davis on the Orioles, who would you choose right now at their current physical ages? Who do you oh, think? Right now at their current physical ages? Yes. I don't know what kind of shape Barry Bonds is in, but I heard that San Francisco was going to bring him back for a day. So, so that he could extend his Hall of Fame. Oh, that's smart. Right? right? Yeah. This is the last year he's eligible for yeah. the Hall of Fame, right? But if he comes back and he plays, I think it's one game, uh, then his eligibility for the Hall of Fame goes another five years. That's awesome. Right. I, I, he he is um, his last him and Clemens his last year is the same year that A Rod Combs goes on to the ballot. So that's going to be interesting. Okay, but with that being said, I can only assume that he's better than Chris Davis. <laughs> I would agree with you. Okay, here's another one: Jose Bautista. We're we're in, we're in, okay. We're going to change it to an OBP league. Yes, we got Jose Bautista or Rubnet Ordor. Right now, their physical bodies. Who do you got? No question, I would take Bautista. Then it'll be OBP. Yeah, so would I. I don't care what Odor looks like. He's uh, hasn't done anything. There we go. Jose, Jose, and my even man. If Batista does nothing, then they're even. <laughs> okay. You play in labor, right? Yes. My wife is pregnant. What would be more painful? Go, her going into labor or you entering labor? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll be very candid with you. I finished last year in, 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 Oh, you talk about labor. All right. I finished last in Talent Wars. Uh, let's put it this way. I've been in labor since the first draft. If I was not in labor, unlike your wife, who's only in labor now <laughs> for a short period of time, if I was not in labor for the last 15 years or 20 years, I'd be in depression. So uh, to me, I have to be in labor all the time. Okay. And by the way, I look it too. <laughs> Hey, you look you look good. I like your hat. What team is that? Looks like um, the mix between the Red Sox and Indians. I don't know. Brooklyn Cyclones. BC. Mm-hmm. See it? Yeah, I see the BC. It looks like the Cleveland C, and it looks like the Boston That's the B. Brooklyn Cyclones. They're a minor league team in uh, the uh, Mets, I think. Okay, I, I thought they were WNBA or something. No, they're minor league in the Mets. Okay, okay. And their okay. home is Coney Island. 
All right. All right. It's, you know, okay. Um, want to keep going here? Okay. So who is the likeliest pitcher on the Marlins to be used as an opener? Does it have to do with his name? Has to do with his name. Uh, oh, no, it's no, it's just. There's nothing to do with the statistics. It's about his name. So I would say um, likeliest pitcher to be used as an opener. I'm looking, I'm looking at the names to see if there's somebody named uh, uh, Marty Morning or something like that. No, no, this has nothing to do with it. It's not a trick question. Oh, it's not a trick question? So then I would probably say Pablo Lopez. Oh, I thought you were going to say Sanchez. I wanted to hear you say Sanchez. Cisco? Yes. Yeah, I want to hear you. Like, say it again? Well, you know what? He's only going to go 100 innings. No, I just wanted to hear you. Say, like, the whole point of that question is to hear you say his name. Oh, Cisco. I can't say his name. Nobody I know, can say his name. I, want, I know. I want to hear you say it. I'll Cisco. tell you what the hardest name like, in Cisco. baseball to say is. What? It's not Cisco Sanchez. It's not. Well, yeah, that's not the hardest name to say because it's not his name. What is his name? Sixto. Like six. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, same thing. Okay. Hardest name is the easiest name on paper. Everybody has problems with Lewis Robert. Right. Yeah. But why does everybody get that wrong? Because no one knows. I don't even But his know. name is Lewis Robert. He says his name is Lewis Robert. Everybody knows his name is Lewis Robert. But he's uh, with his... Um, what do you, accent, his natural accent, whatever country he's from, when he says Louis Robert, it comes out as Louis Robert. <laughs> right. There's a, there's, a, there's a bunch of, like, I don't, I don't think he cares how we pronounce his name on this podcast. He's, of course, not listening. There's a couple names. What about, um, okay, Wait. so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you into some, some pronunciation. Um, no, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> Why? You got the wrong guy. One of the things I've known for, and you may not know this, is I'm like the Ralph Kiner of fantasy baseball or the Yogi Berra. I make so many – I was talking about a player, uh, about a, a pitcher named Carpenter, okay? And throughout my whole podcast, I'm calling him Scott Carpenter. And Yeah. All right, but we know that the St. Louis Cardinal pitcher, who was almost a one Cy Young, his name was Chris Carpenter. Right. But I'm calling him Scott Carpenter – and then I said in my podcast, who's Scott Carpenter? <laughs> One of the original astronauts, all right? Oh, man. And I, I mean, Randy Hundley, Chris Hundley, I call every kid by his father's name. I haven't pronounced it. I mean, look, me and Harry Carey would have a the definite field day pronouncing names okay that's one of my favorite things about your podcast i've been listening to it and just how you pronounce some of the names it's great yeah mike fulton mike mike fulton holy cow okay let's 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 run with this who's the who's the most who loses the most value um who loses the most value with the mike calfranco signing in in baltimore oh ruiz how do you who say you gotta say his full name though Rio Ruiz. <laughs> okay. Um, who hits the least home runs of all the primary Rockies outfielders? The least home runs. Let's see. You got Tapia. You got Hilly. Yeah, Tapia. You got. Uh, is he and Desmond still considered? A, no, no. You can't say uh, Desmond. No, you got Tapia. I wanted you to say. I wanted, I wanted you to say the told Tapia name. Oh, it's it's. Uh, uh, I I know somebody hit me up on it the other day. I forget his first name now. Um, uh, it's Tapia. I, I got the last name right, right? Yeah, it's Tapia. But the first name is. Uh, oh, I'll get it in a second. 
first name is not Ramiel, Ramiel Tapia. That's okay. Is, okay. Right? I thought you Got called that, him. Right? I thought you called him Ronald, but um, I probably called him Ramiel a couple of times, but it's Ramiel Tapia. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, who is um, the best Royals pitcher under the age of twenty-five years old? Starting starting pitcher. Brady Singer. Ray Singer. Okay. Why not? I don't know. It's, it's um, Brady, but you call you, you call them Ray now, and you call them Brad on your podcast. I did. Yeah. Oh, I'm not supposed. Here's what I say to that. Okay. Here's what I say. All right. Yeah. You listen, then I call him Brad Singer. Right. Yeah. I call him Bob Singer, pitcher in Kansas City. I call him Bobo Singer. But you knew who I was talking about. I know right? exactly. I, I do the so same. So what's way. the difference? I'm just as, I'm, I'm the same way. But people, I think other people get <laughs> hung up on this pronunciation. I love it. I'm not I'm not trying to give you a hard time. But no, I, I believe me when I tell you this is great. This yeah. is terrific. <laughs> but people criticize. I had two guys when I first started podcasting, Jerry Zona, if you're listening to this, and at the end of every podcast, he would send me a list of all my mistakes. Okay. Yeah. I and even on serious radio, I'm gonna get killed one day. I have a genius of the day question, and sometimes it gets answered, and they give away a prize, a very valuable prize, by the way, that could change your life. But some days I go through the podcast, and then at the end, I never give the answer, and that's bad. You got to give the answers, but right. we give away a, and this is true, I give away a very valuable prize on Sundays. If you get the genius of the day right, I've had the same question for three weeks. Nobody got it. Who's the St. Louis Cardinal third baseman who has five gold gloves? Scott Rowland. And okay, that was my first thing. Uh, let's see, that was plenty of people's first guess. Uh, ooh, I don't know. It's got to be somebody older than that. If then. you get it right, I'll send you the the prize for genius of the day. He's old. He's, he's got to be older than Scott Rowland, right? I'm not telling you. Um, know is, is that you know who it is? Third baseman on the Cardinals. Five gold gloves. I don't know. I don't know. That's it. You're gonna miss the prize. I missed it. I don't. I don't. I don't have. I don't, Ken I don't, Boyer. See, I don't even. I you don't was, know. Okay. I don't even know him. So that's. You're yeah, not I gonna was, get. You know what the prize is? What's this the prize? Is true. I found myself last week. We gave away five prizes. So I'm sitting in my office with Andrea. I'm giving away a Lenny Melnick autographed baseball. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> That's ridiculous in itself, right? But everybody, yeah, a, a and they want him. Because you're making out to my son. Because you're making out to my daughter. <laughs> when I was in business, I gave away Lenny Melnick autographed baseballs. Okay? And the people that I was, uh, the buyers that I dealt with says, what is this? And I said, listen. Put it on your desk with a plastic thing and the thing, make it look like a real baseball. If a salesman comes in and small talks you, looks at the baseball and says, oh, he was a good player, kick him out of your office, all right? Because you know he's lying to you. All right. That's hilarious. All right, I got no more. I got no more crazy That's questions. It. I got I'll no tell more you what. I had fun with you today. Thank you. I, I had a fight of fun. I had more fun than I expected. Not that, not yeah. to say that I didn't expect to have fun, but this is great. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I know that you, you're, you're, you're very inclusive in, in offering and offering and help any, help out anyone that's new to the anybody. anybody. I'm, I'm new. 
I'm trying to get better at this. I'm trying to get better at podcasting. I'm trying to get better at drafting. And I'll get I think, you to tell Wars of Labor next year. You'll see. All right. Well, I love it. I love it. I love to hear that. You'll see. I'll try. Okay. okay. I'm not. I'm not I'll gonna... tell you what. One of the big advantages I have over everybody else in this industry, almost everybody, it's never been my business. And if it ends tomorrow, I give everybody a hug and a kiss. But it's not. The, but it's never been my business. I've always been able to do anything I wanted, and uh, it comes from a labor of love. It's not about the money, and I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah, I'm. This, I'm. I'm. I have the same mindset as you. I'm, I'm not making any money off this. I'm doing this because I love doing it. I love baseball. I love the game of fantasy. And we never. I never even asked you about your who your sleepers are this year. I want to get someone. Who Who are the guys you're drafting late in drafts? Um, and before I we hit on something that's very interesting, you want to get a little controversial. Yeah. Uh, the industry, as big as it is, okay, it's a huge in. Look, we all know how much the industry has grown, and everything else. How many people make money in this industry? In fantasy sports, I don't know about the football side, but let me tell you something: it's only a handful from what I can get. But uh, and that to me is a shame. The industry needs uh, a, an association that cares about the people in the industry, not just about the major companies. That's my statement for that. Okay, you want to know some sleepers? Yeah. I got some sleepers. Amar Rosario. That's not well, I told you that. Yeah, you gave me that one. Uh, I think anybody who passes him up, making a big mistake. Uh, Hunter Dozier, last year he had a little bit of the COVID. Uh, felt some fatigue most of the year. I think he'll steal bases, hit you 20-plus home runs. People are forget. Uh, now, Jonathan India, wow. I saw him in Arizona. I couldn't believe he was such a hyped-up uh, uh, player. Uh, I think he was the number two pick in the country. Everyone raves about his swing. like his. I don't know. Well, you see, I can't. The, when I go to Arizona Foley, you can see everything. I couldn't see anything in him. And I'm not smart enough to rave about a swing except for one player. There's one player whose swing jumped off the page, and I was the only one who predicted he would not be a success. Okay. Kyle Tucker. Now, when he swings, he holds, you know, he's a left-handed hitter. His follow-through, he keeps both hands on the bat. Now, his swings looks like it's a level swimmer to play Little League. Come on, level swing, level swing. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't do that anymore, right? He's got a level swing. Looks like he's going to fall over every time he swings. Uh, I, I spoke to a beat writer from the Astros. We had him on the show the other day. He said, yes, Lenny, you're right. They want to change his swing, but they're afraid because he's had success. Pitchers are going to catch up to this guy. They've seen him for a year or two. He's never become the player that he was expected to be. Yet now people are drafting him because of the stolen bases. They're drafting him in the fourth round. Kyle second. Tucker to me is going to second round. Mm -hmm. What a what? And I, he's the only swing that jumps off the page. Every, I'm not like I sit behind home plate and I look at the pitchers. I don't know who's got the best cutter and the best this and that. As a matter of fact, this is great. 
I interviewed John Sterling, the Yankee announcer. Mm-hmm. And I said, John, you sit up all the way in the box and you say, there's a curveball in there for a strike. There's a, there's a slider for a strike. How do you know what pitch it is, right? right? He said, that's a good question. I don't. But I could tell the difference between a fastball and an off-speed pitch. After that, I, take, I have to know what pitch he throws the most. And that's the pitch they say it is. <laughs> Isn't that great? If he throws 80% curveballs, oh. he, he knows it's not a fastball. There's a curveball in first strike. Power right? of deduction. Right? Yeah. But I did, I did, and then at, at the end of the interview, I'm so proud. I'm talking to John Sterling. Are you kidding? I'm a fan. I'm not so, you know, I'm a fan. Talking to John Sterling. 30 years prior, I called his show and he told me to give it a rest. Right. All right. That's how he got me off. Uh, I, so I have him on my show and I said, I've been resting for 30 years, John. So at the end, and here I'm thinking I'm such, I made it. I'm a big shot now. And I said, John, could you give a Lenny Melnick, a Lenny Melnick home run call? You know how he does the home run call yeah. to the players. Yeah. He says, happy to takes a minute. He says, what's your name again? Uh, that ended it for me. All right. <laughs> That's hilarious. So Kyle Tucker is not someone you're going to be drafting. No, Kyle Tucker. You think he's a bust alert? At like, the end of the year, you'll say thank you, Lenny. You'll see. I, I he's one, he's one guy. I tell you, he's like he. I look at I look at um, pockets of value, and he was one of the guys I was not on because I said you're drafting Kyle Tucker. He's going in the second round of these high stakes leagues. Yeah, come and on. And I'm man. saying I'm saying Trent Grisham in the fifth round versus Kyle Tucker in the second round well, is a no brainer for me. I don't know. Tucker's got more power, I think, but uh, his swing, I have never, listen, I followed baseball for longer than I want to tell you, okay? But many more years before you were born. And uh, I've never seen a swing that jumped off the page as much as he, his swing. Not even Yogi Bear. Jumped off the page in a, in a, in a negative way. In a negative way. Negative okay. way. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's, uh, that's a, that's a take. That's a take that you don't hear a lot. So that's, um, and then it's a take that I take seriously because um, he's a guy that I was also been avoiding, but not for that reason. I'm not smart enough for, um, I, I'm not in tune enough to, to right. really critique his string swing like that, but it gives me some sort of um, confirmation that I'm, that I'm doing the right thing. All right. A couple of more deep sleepers and I got some deep ones. Uh, although Derek Fisher got hurt, he was making some inroads. Remember when he was with, uh, uh, I forget what team. Toronto. I watched him all the time in Toronto. I'm from Toronto, yeah, right? Yeah, Toronto, right? He yeah. was supposed to be 2020 guy. Yeah. What happened? He's starting to come around. Sometimes it takes a couple of years. He's hurt now. But and, that, and that outfield's crowded too, but Lorenzo Kane's, yeah, gonna I know. Kane's yeah. not going to do anything this year. Another guy from Toronto, Alfred, is now with Pittsburgh. Right. I mean, I'm not talking about huge numbers, but you're talking about end game. You want to get some speed, a little bit of power. Uh, this is a good one. Keep an eye out for Josh. Rojas, mm. Josh Rojas in Arizona. No idea where he's going to play, but he's making it very difficult for them to sit him on the bench. Um, did you hear what Brandon Rogers said the other day? To steal, to steal 20 bases. Yeah, right. Yeah. You heard that, right? Yep. I don't know what that means, but if that's what he says, I'm drafting him. Uh, as soon as he said that, he heard his hamstring trying to steal bases. Yeah, then he tried to steal a base, and now he's out. <laughs> here's another guy who used to be uh, a big-time prospect, big-time, and then he just disappeared. Now he's pitching on Cincinnati, maybe one of the better pitchers in, in all of Major League Baseball in the spring. And I'm talking about 
Jose de Leon. Mm. Take a look at his. I mean, he has been sensational. Lenny, I know who that is. And you know what? I've done about 40 drafts, and you know who I have on every single fucking team? Ponce de Leon. <laughs> yep. Jose, Jose de Leon. You do? I have him on. I've drafted him on every single team since December. Good for you. There you go. Yeah. So this, that's pretty good. Also, Tarek Skubal showed me something the other day that he can make adjustments and he could pitch well without his best pitch. And that was impressive. So, He'll make the team and Mize won't. Oh, he will make the team. And Mize is not going to start in the rotation. No, not at all. But that's pretty good. I also like Kikuchi. Now, here's something else that people kill me on, especially after his last game. Matt Schumacher, Schumacher, whatever his name is. The race, the race car driver, right? I don't know what his name is. You okay. know what I mean. Yeah, he's I know. On, he's on Minnesota now. Yeah. When Kenta Maeda, I love this kind of stuff. When he showed up in Minnesota, the pitching coach, Wes Johnson, took him and showed him a pitch. I forget what it was, a slider or cutter, something. And he made him into a Cy Young candidate. Who was Kenta Maeda? How did I just get rid of him? Right? And he becomes a Cy Young. Wes Johnson showed him something. Schumacher's been around for a while. 36 Mediocre. years old. Mediocre is a compliment, okay? Mm-hmm. Wes Johnson showing him the same pitch. That's all I'm going to say. It's worth taking a good look at this guy. But can you, keep, can, you, can you teach an old dog new tricks? You know something? After his last game, he gave up six runs. All right. I'm not too sure. <laughs> but still, <laughs> I love that kind of stuff when you can put it together. I love when you're talking to all these old Jays. You talked about um, um, Shoemaker. The yeah, old Jay. yeah, right. You, talk, right. you talked about Derek Fisher. You're talking about Anthony Alford. Yeah. Uh, anyone that sounds like they belong in Batman might be heating up this year. Like Alford and you got the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey. Yep. He's, uh, throw, he's, he's throwing 96 miles an hour. My buddy, um, my buddy Graham just texted me. He's like, he's throwing 96 and the, and the Orioles, like the Orioles are, are not good. He might make the rotation. But my response to that was like, come on, it's Matt Harvey. Like, that's like, like, I spoke to, I spoke to the Orioles. You can't, you can't. I spoke to John Mioli from the Baltimore Sun. I said, uh, all right, should we think about Harvey and King Felix? He said, "Next question." <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good response. Okay, last, last thing, last That's thing. That's it. No, last thing. Okay. I got to ask you this one more thing because I heard you talk about it, and I need to know like the source, if you, if you can. Jimmy Nelson, you said he's going to take the rotation. If he keeps pitching like he does, he's still going to, he's going to take a rotation spot away from one of the guys in the rotation, like a Urias, a Gonsolin, yeah. May Price. Price is Price is done. Like. I said I said this in another podcast before. Like, yeah, price is done. Right. He's done because like look at me. Like if I'm like a CFO of a company and I say to I say to the, the owner, I said, okay, I'm the CFO, I'm supposed to be running the company. I'm you know what? I'm okay if I just gonna answer the phones and I'll do some accounts payable. Like that's fine. I don't need to, I don't need to be that I don't need those duties anymore. That's sort of like what David Price is doing. He's like, okay, like you're paying right. me thirty five million dollars to start, but if you don't want me to, I won't. Like you're you're done. At that point, you're done. So talk to me about Jimmy Nelson. Okay, I don't know very much about him other than my source. My source was, and I forget the writer, may have been shaken, uh, was the LA Times, okay? And it said in the LA, there's a chance that they could move uh, Gonsolin and the other guy, May, May, even deeper into the bullpen. They'll put Nelson in the rotation if he continues to pitch the way he's pitching. That's all I know. I got it out of the LA Times. Okay. 
But, that's the way it goes. What do you, what do you, do you, do you feel like that's, um, I don't know. Realistic. I, I have, you know, I don't watch all the games. All I know is what I read and, and I listen to the people I trust. And, and based upon that, I don't really have my own opinion without the opinions that I have are the players that I see in Arizona. There I'm confident because when I go down there and I see him like Joey Adele, we saw him two years ago. Andrea said, Lenny, he's terrible. And he was. Brandon Marsh is better than Joey Adele. I said it two years ago. Okay. Because hmm. I saw them play seven or eight games. We're there for a month. I saw him play seven or eight uh, games. Uh, it's not the whole thing. I picked out, and I was so proud of this. Uh, this year, the player who I saw two years ago, Tyler Stevenson, catcher yeah. for Cincinnati, my sleeper picket catcher. And where I get that from? From watching him play. Myself. Max Freed, from watching him pitch. No matter what the situation, men on base because of errors, his mound presence, he totally controlled the game. I like him. Not a star, maybe, but a very good pitcher. Well, those are those. Taylor Stevenson's a guy, I think I have like 20 of him this year. Really? Like 20 shares of Tyler Stevenson. There you go. You come to Arizona next time. Next year. I can't, I can't. In Canada, you can't go anywhere right now. But I know, but when it's ready, I'm going to come there. I'm going to put you in the trunk of my car, pick you up, take you to Arizona. How's that? Perfect. I'm, 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 I'm not that big. I'm like, I'm, I can fit in your trunk. Okay, good. Long all right. Well, good. all right. I, th I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Lenny. And I had, I had a blast right now. So uh, like, like you said, I could keep talking about this all day, but I'll let you yeah. go. I gotta, I gotta work. I'm sure you do too. And um, I'll be sure of that. I'll be sure of that. Okay. All right. After this, I go talk to Andrea about baseball. All right. Tell her I say hi. Okay. Thank you.